Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 38. It's now been 11 weeks, five days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today when we come back from listening to our inspiring snippet of Josh Woodward's beautiful song, I'm Letting Go, I'm gonna give some shout outs to longtime listeners and Brave Companions and newest Brave Companion. And I also wanna read some of my good friend Cheryl's post. And then the topic of the day is, why do we always feel compelled to apologize when we tell people our feelings and our truth? But I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a silent way. Every time I listen to Josh's song saying, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, I think of something new. And so much of my issue with food is about letting go of expectations, letting go of my own lack of confidence, letting go of my 50-year-old habit and thought and 50-year-old truth the food is somehow going to make me feel better in the long term. It's going to make my life better. That the best thing to do is to eat some food. <laughs> now, it would be bullshit if I told you that food does not make me feel better in the short term. If you're listening to this podcast, you or someone you love knows very intimately that food has the power to distract our compulsive minds. Food has the power, like we talked about last episode, to distract us from doing chores we don't want to do or having conversations we don't want to have. Food can even be fun. It can be fun to try new things. But overall, food is not the answer. And I've heard this a million times before. I bet you've heard it a million times before. I bet every diet book or psychological book on compulsive overeating, binge eating, will tell you in great big caps, food is not the answer. I'd say, what do you mean? Food is not the problem. Oh, what do you mean? Of course it's the problem. I overeat. Therefore, everyone can see that food is the problem. Well, guess what, brave companions? I now understand it, not just in my mind, but in my body and in my heart. Food for me is not the problem. And food for me is not an answer. Hallelujah. I'm up here on my upper Zen space. In fact, I made a nice little video for you so you could see the upper Zen space on YouTube. So you can either go from day 38 of compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and see the link there, or go to YouTube at youtube.com slash compulsiveovereating. But now I'm getting distracted from what I'm trying to tell you. This is my other habit I've noticed as I've been podcasting, is I distract myself when I'm speaking a truth. I distract myself with some other little detail that I'm comfortable with, like what's the YouTube address that you should go to. When what I really want to talk about 
is how do we feel about our own truth and how confident do we feel about communicating that truth to other people. And that's going to be my topic for today. But first, I want to give some shout outs to the brave companions who have taken the time and trouble to reach out to me and communicate. And the first is to one of our guy companions, Steve, AKA Stefano. He's the opera singer who's been encouraging me to sing. So I really appreciate that. And he's an email buddy of mine. And I wanted to read you his latest email. Lori. Instead of reaching for the chips, I'm reaching for my email and sending a message to the fearless leader of the compulsive overeating brave companion army, aka Miss Lori Weaver, smiley face. <laughs> now I'm buttoned into it. I love that description. Doesn't that make you guys feel brave and powerful? Listen again to the fearless leader of the compulsive overeating brave companion army. Yay, that's us. Companions in arms as well as in heart supporting each other. Thanks for that, Stephen. That really, really made my day. I love that. I got smiley faces all over my face. Back to his letter. Thanks for the book recommendation on your mass. <laughs> Thanks for the book recommendation on your last podcast. I am fascinated with mythological influences in our collective consciousness. So a book like Eating in the Light of the Moon sounds like it's right up my alley. Again, butting in. And Stephen's a guy I talked about this book on episode 36, and it really is a girly, girly book, but it is filled with cool folk stories and how that influences civilization. Now, from a female perspective, but it's really a cool book, and I'm impressed, Mr. Stefano and Stephen, that you are mad enough to think it's cool to read this girly light of the moon mythological book. I think that's neat. Continuing on, in your battle against compulsive overeating, have you used any smartphone apps for weight loss, tracking, and group support? I use MyFitnessPal and find it to be very, very helpful. If you or any of your brave companions are on MyFitnessPal, please friend me. You can find me by my nom de plume, Opera Vagabond. I'll say that again, Opera Vagabond on MyFitnessPal. I find having weight loss friends essential to my success. Now, the reason I wanted to read this letter is, one, I'm really tickled that Stephen loves that book. But two, it got me to thinking, you know, I'm on the Spark People. That's how I track calories. But a lot of people are on things like MyFitnessPal or Fitbit or other places. So I'm thinking about putting a page or a place for you to post your introductions so that you could communicate with each other. And I'm going to start by putting Stephen's MyFitnessPal name on the show notes of day 38. So, brave companions, if you're on my fitness pal, please go and friend Steven. Now, back to our theme of truth and telling your truth and how scary that is and how sometimes we apologize for that. Do you guys remember my infamous episode four? Well, you must, because I mention it about every other podcast. That's the one where I was walking around the park and didn't know if anybody in the world, except maybe my friend Cheryl, would ever, ever, ever hear my thoughts. And I felt pathetic admitting that I was hoping that someone was out there listening and that someone would post a comment. So when new listeners find Compulsive Overeating Diary, 
many of them start with day one and progress, progress, progress through the episodes and they hit that episode number four and their heart is touched and here they come and they post on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. Now, if you haven't heard it for a while and you have the time, go back and re-listen to episode four because I swear to goodness, I was terrified, terrified of rejection, terrified of looking like a fool, terrified of all of the things that you can think that would happen. It was kind of like the wake up in your underwear at school dream to put that in the public arena. And I thought this was really stupid. And I can't tell you how many times I've considered taking that one down because it did not put me in my confident, ha-ha, friendly Lori light. Now listen, you're listening to today's podcast. And I know, Afa, you're going to tell me, I don't hear the frustration in your voice today, Lori. No, I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm feeling confident. I know that you guys are out there listening. And I'm even more happy when you comment. But I know in my heart that you're listening because you have been commenting. Okay, but back then, go back in time to day four. That was almost three months ago. And how I felt. And I told you the truth. And the truth gave others the courage to reach out to me. So the newest one is new listener Michelle. And this is her comment on day four. So if you guys have a moment, go to day four and welcome Michelle, would you? But this is what she says. Very recently, I stumbled upon your compulsive overeating diary. It was the fourth episode that got my attention. I hope you never, ever feel that way again. You are worth it. You are worthy. Personally, I do not know about binge eating problems, but I do know about other extremes. And then she goes on to talk about in her early 20s how she had some restriction issues. Thankfully, I never went for the bulimic behavior. Like you, I had to leave work early. I already had one autoimmune problem under control, and in 2005, along came another, fibromyalgia. After suffering at work in 2005 and 2006, crying at my desk, etc., I finally stopped working. I am 56 now. I take many medications to keep symptoms under control since there is not yet a cure. And sometimes I feel very lonely. And she goes on to talk about her situation. And this is how she feels that sometimes people think that she must be doing something wrong or it's in her head. She goes on, how do you prove to someone that your head hurts? You don't because, well, you look fine. How do you, Miss Lori, prove that being overweight makes you way vulnerable to the actions, reactions, acceptance, rejection you get from others? May I quote an old boss of mine? We worked in many payroll offices on construction sites, and I would say, Johnny so-and-so wants this or, or that. And his standard replies were either tough shit or I'll piss on him. (laughs) I love that. By the way, your personality, your voice, and the way you say things kept me interested in your show. Thank you. Well, thank you, Michelle, because I super appreciate that. And I know how it feels. After my bike accident, except for the scars on my face, which now you really can't see very much, I look pretty much the same as I did before my bike accident, but my head is completely different. I have all kinds of issues with how I speak, 
how I think, how I process information, and was subject to all kinds of symptoms and troubles. And it's very, very hard for others to understand that I was not the same old Lori. And it wasn't even a matter of me trying to get over it. And I had an actual physical bike accident I could point to. I could say, there, there, didn't you know I was found unconscious in the road, for goodness sakes? Even so, because, to your point, I looked the same, people kind of thought, well, you should be the same. And it was very, very frustrating. For a condition like you're dealing with, I can't imagine how frustrating that is to deal with such ongoing pain and not to feel supported by people. So I want to tell you, Michelle, that whether it's an eating issue rears its head for you or a health issue or you're just feeling lonesome and wanting to be heard, go ahead and post on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com because the Brave Companions will step up and say hello to you and support you back. They've proven that again and again that they are here for you, for me, for each other. So Brave Companions, if you want to step up right now and say hello to Michelle, head on over to Pathetic Episode Day 4. Now, the next shout out is to my local Pasadena companion, who I've never met in person, but who reaches out to me on Facebook from time to time. Well, she went to iTunes and gave me a five-star review and wrote some nice things about the show, and I super appreciate that. Thank you, local Brave Companion in Pasadena, and I truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Maybe someday we'll meet and get to walk around the Rose Bowl together. Do you think that sounds like fun? I think that might be fun. And that's a great segue now into, we've had my newest Brave Companion, a local Brave Companion, and now my longest Brave Companion, Cheryl. Cheryl's been my online friend for many, many, many years. We met originally on a website called Calorie King, then we moved over to a website called Spark People. She's the co-leader of the Spark People team that we co-founded to support the Brave Companions who might like to come over there to count calories or just to hang out more in a forum environment. And she has always written the most fantastic blogs on her own blog or on Spark People. She's got a huge gift for writing. And while I'm thinking of it, I want to mention her blog right now is called Wellsprings and Dragonfly Wings. And she talks about eating issues, faith issues, life issues, all in a very lyrical and interesting way. So I'm going to put the link there. In fact, she had me do a guest blog on my whole Plan B type thing that I did in episode 12, which is, do you bitch, do you binge, or do you be? And I did. I wrote that, so I'll put the link to it. But I don't want you to go there to read my writing. I want you to go there to read Cheryl's writing. And I want you to hear one of her comments here. Lori. Listening to the podcast today really shook something loose for me. When I listened to people talk about control issues and overeating, I wasn't relating. I know if I'm bored, I'm likely to want to stick something in my mouth, but that doesn't seem like the same trigger to me. But then something you said in the podcast smacked me in the face and I thought, oh, there it is. The it is the idea of I want to be the one making my food choices, even if they're bad. 
I don't want someone else telling me how much to eat, what to eat, when to eat. I realize it has something to do with freedom and being autonomous. And then Cheryl, in her comment on day 37, tells us a heart-wrenching story about what her memory is and why that she has some issues with restriction. She goes on after the story. I think I must have felt so restricted and regimented in what I ate that in my head, after I got married, I decided to hell with this. No one is ever going to tell me what I can and can't eat ever again. I'm guessing that's why with all three programs I've tried, Weight Watchers, Calorie King, Spark People, as soon as I'd hit around the 30-pound weight loss mark, pushing further, got harder to the point of really having to cut out even more calories, I'd quit, just quit, and go back to eating whatever it is I wanted. This is a bit of a revelation for me today. I'm wondering now how I steer my choice in a direction that means not having to eat calorie-laden food, so that that's also my choice. Got some things from today to process. And by the way, I can see how the same regimentation process kicks in with the housework. I'm fine keeping the house in order as long as it's my choice how much I do each day, which I'm guessing is why that one room a day schedule works well for me. But when house cleaning becomes something I feel I have to do for whatever reason, it's full stop. Obviously, there's a part of me that turns into a rebel when exterior voices or circumstances say, I have to do something, anything. My response apparently is, oh no, I don't, and I dig my heels in. And then she goes on with some more story. But I wanted to tell you the very next comment that Cheryl posted after telling us this beautiful, heartfelt experience was, gulp, sorry that was so long, I guess I was excited, rolling my eyes. But I noticed this week that Cheryl isn't the only one apologizing for writing all of her thoughts and feelings down. I want to welcome Cherry to the Spark People team. She's our newest member, and she's someone that I got to know on Facebook as well. But Cherry came and posted her thoughts and feelings in our introductory thread over there, and also said, I'm going to stop now so I won't bore you any more than I have. So she obviously feels that her thoughts and feelings aren't interesting to us or does not feel as confident as she might. And I'm going to tell you, Cherry, that it wasn't boring to me. I thought your thoughts and feelings were completely interesting and on point. And she's not the only one. You know, Brave Companion Sandy, who I've met in real life, and we text and we email and we go back and forth. And she said to me in an email recently, I've been noticing that I apologize when I email people. And I'm going to try to email now from a place of strength. And that got to me thinking, I apologize all the time too. Hey, sorry I'm going to tell you this, but... Or if I really let loose and say what's on my mind, I might finish up with something to negate it. And say, oh, well, I'm sorry I've been going on like this. Now, part of it for me is, as I talked before, that... I really wasn't welcome to be a chatterbox in my young life. It wasn't good for me to be bothering people with my stories. And I've had experiences again and again where people basically recommended that I shut the heck up. So 
whenever I'm going on and on with anything, whether it's in writing a comment or whether it's here chattering, I feel self-conscious because I realize, oh, Lori, you've done it again. You have the verbal diarrhea and you are just like talking, 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 talking. Luckily, a podcast that you do solo from the top of a mountain in a Zen place is perfect for someone that can talk for hours without having to catch too much of a breath. But it isn't just that. It's not just the physical amount of talking that I've been wanting to say. It's how I feel about things. It's decisions that people make. It's where do we go to eat dinner? Do you want to go bike riding today? What do you think about the political landscape? Whatever it is, I find myself feeling like if I give my opinion, I'm bothering someone. Ergo, my opinion isn't worth as much as other people's opinion. And I'm guessing, even though I'm not a psychologist, that that kind of goes to that whole low self-esteem thing that's also a root for my overeating. If I don't feel worthy to even talk, if I don't feel worthy to express my true opinion, now I'm not saying we should all go be mean to each other and say, yes, that does make your butt look fat. Though actually, if you're a true friend and it's a decision on whether or not to buy these clothes, in my opinion, you probably should say, yes, that makes your butt look fat if you, know, if you got a chance to, to pick out something that might be more flattering. However, if there's nothing that person can do about it, nothing to be gained from sharing that information, but still, in most situations, it is okay for us to say our truth. It is okay for us to say, I prefer we have Chinese food today, or I don't care for Chinese food. When my husband wants to go to the seafood place, that's not high on my list of things I like to do because I don't eat seafood. And even if I go there and have the one limited thing, I usually can't have any of the sides because they've been prepared near fish, a lot of which I'm allergic to. But if we're in a big group and they're all saying like, oh, we're just dying for seafood, I feel like a real killjoy if I say, by the way, I don't really want to go to the seafood specialty restaurant because I'm allergic to it, right? Let's say I'm a vegetarian or a vegan. I probably don't want to go to the steak restaurant, even though you could get a baked potato, I guess, or sides. The steak restaurant is often cooking things near where the meat has been cooked, so that might not be high on your choice. But it's not just food. It's, I've noticed that with just communicating. And I think, for me, part of the stuffing down the chips, stuffing down ice cream, stuffing down food, isn't just the chemicals in the food that make my brain feel better, but it's also kind of putting the, the stopper in the bottle of my feelings. I don't want my feelings to come out. I don't want my words to come out. I don't want to even realize these feelings because in the past I've had experiences where that wasn't a good thing for me to express my feelings. So it's kind of like the hot stove syndrome. Lori expresses herself, ouch, that hurts. Someone says, shut up, or well, don't bother us, or you're an idiot, or you don't know this, or why are you a killjoy? 
So back into my shell I go until, unless I'm telling a joke or a funny story or a compliment to somebody, I learn the lesson that it's not okay for me, Lori, to express how things truly are in my own world. My point of view, my take on things, my wants and needs, that is not okay. And so that food for me has been making sure those feelings don't come out. They're expressed. My anger is expressed by the chomping of the chips. My sadness is expressed by the feel of ice cream as it slips down my throat. Bread, the soft baked bread, and that can be so comforting. Those are the things that I'm doing. I'm expressing my feelings through how the food tastes, how I ingest the food, how I'm chewing it, what's going on with it. That's when the food is my feeling and not my food. Well, food as feeling is not very expressive to others. And tell you the truth, since when the robot aliens come by and beam into my body and thrust their robot arms into my sleeves and put those chips down my gullet, I'm not really expressing my feelings to myself either because the robot aliens are there to turn off painful feelings. The robot aliens are there to distract me from things I need to deal with. The robot aliens are the opposite of the good friend's kind ear listening to me talk. So you brave companions, whatever you're learning from my podcast, whatever encouragement you're getting, I'm pleased for that. But what you're doing for me is you are being the ears. You are letting me express my feelings. You are hearing me. You're letting me talk. And I suppose if I talk too long, you can put me on pause or go on to the next episode. But the medium is here for me, Lori, finally, to say what I want to say to feel how I want to feel, to be however I am on any given day. And as Ava's pointed out, sometimes I'm full of frustration and you can hear it in my voice. Sometimes I'm full of joy and nonsense and you can hear that in my voice. Sometimes I'm mysterious and zen and thoughtful and you can hear that in my voice because I'm not covering up my words with chips or Cheetos or ice cream or cake when I'm doing this podcast. It would be physically impossible for me to do this podcast and to eat. So here it is. When you come to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, you can write as long of a comment as you want to write. You can write 10 comments. You can call the Bravery Hotline 10 times in a row. You can use up as many speak pipe messages as you want. Any way that you communicate to me and to us on Compulsive Overeating Diary, feel proud that you have expressed however you feel. And how you feel might be just a simple smiley face. That might be it. That might be enough. Or it might be pages and pages of thoughts and feelings that are coming up from that place in your stomach and your heart that used to be covered up with food. Remember, Compulsive Overeating Diary is a safe place for you to feel however you feel, be however you are, say whatever you say, as long as it's not unkind to someone else. 
Until next time, brave companions, I want you to take extra care because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Oh